everyone. My name is Kat Savage and I'm a professional artist, clinical hypnotherapist and well-being expert working with those in the creative arts sector. In my line of work, I get to meet some amazing, colourful people from actors to artists, people who live their lives by their own rules, fueled by passion and determination to bring their unique talents into the world. I wanted to discover what it took for people to leave the usual nine to five and hop on a dream, to capture their bravest moments and share these meaningful conversations with you so that together we can explore the ideas, emotions and moments that could potentially change our lives too. The Brave Moment podcast begins now in the middle of the COVID pandemic, probably the bravest moment not only for my guests, but for the whole world. So let's keep talking, have some fun, and enjoy the show. This week on the show, we speak to international ballet dancer Megan Cameron. After attending the Royal Ballet School in London and graduating from Rambert with a BA honours, Megan has gone from strength to strength with her dance, performing in Thursford's Christmas Spectacular, the biggest Christmas show in Europe, to landing her dream job in Matthew Bourne's Swan Lake as the Hungarian princess and also playing the principal role of the Queen, which toured internationally for 18 months. Megan talks to us this week about what it takes to pursue your dream and gives advice about how to handle the incredibly demanding lifestyle that physical performance have to face. With her welcome honesty and brilliant sense of humour, it gives me great pleasure to introduce you to this incredibly strong and beautiful young woman, the lovely Megan Cameron. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> oh, it's so lovely to hear your voice. How's your lockdown been? What have you been up to? It's definitely been up and down for me. Sometimes I've been in a foul mood and been very like, want my normal life back, want to go to the, on stage, want to go to the beer garden, want to do all of that, wild night out. And then other times I've been pretty positive and just like, you know, when do we get this time where we're almost forced to just sort of focus in on ourselves and have the space and spend time with loved ones and things. So, you know, you've got to try and look at it in a positive light sometimes, but it's been fine. I'm still here. I love your attitudes. <laughs> I hope that other people out there are feeling the same as you and they're not too miserable because it has been literally a year I now. I can't believe this it. crazy time. I can't believe it either. And, and I know as a fellow creative, it's just, it's nuts, isn't it, for our sectors right now. It's, oh, it's, it's absolutely nuts. It's absolutely mental. Yeah, and I was totally thinking of you actually when they did the uh, uh, Fatima's Future is in Cyber. Oh my god! Uh, when that when that campaign came out, my I was just like my heart was enraged, and I can't even imagine what that must have felt for, like for you as a dancer. Like, how did you react to that, and how did your friends react to that? Um, I mean, there was just an absolute outrage across the dancing sector of the arts and other people that are in the arts as well because we already feel like we're a very underappreciated sector anyway in general for funding for just we just sort of come last in everything even though we do provide a lot of people with you know all of the tv shows all of the theater pieces that have been put on the music everything that's kept people going through lockdown is 
because of us and because of the work that we've put in either prior or during, we've made it happen. So to then turn around and be told, actually, do you know what? Give up on all those years you spent putting hard work into everything and just, oh, go into doing cyber stuff, go into being working for BT. That's fine for people who want to work in it. But we do what we do because we love it. And I think yeah. it was I think it really was just a bit of a oh, okay, we really don't matter. <laughs> Do you know I'm my heart absolutely goes out to you because yeah, you know, obviously I'm in the music sector and, and I feel so grateful that you, lovely Megan Cameron, actually <laughs> contributed to a video of ours um during lockdown, which won us a prestige award, which who knows if we're ever gonna get it. But um Aww. yeah, this this April we're supposed to go up and, and collect this award for our, our um stuff that we did online and you were a massive part of that. And I know that like creators in general have been helping each other out um, just to keep ourselves going through this time. But I utterly agree. Like, I just feel like our jobs have just been put into limbo, haven't yeah. they? It's just it's like nuts. you may never get back to it. We just don't know at this point. It's like you might yeah. never dance again. We don't know. <laughs> let's God. not think like that, no, shall we? No, no, no. Okay, sorry. Let's I'm back not, on the positive. Back road. on the positive. <laughs> we need your attitude to shine through. Okay, so I'm going to take you back in time. Yes. And um, I would love for you to just tell me what were you like as a child? And if you could go back in time and meet yourself now as a child, do you think they'd be impressed with what you do now? Oh, God. I mean, I think, well, first of all, as a child, I was very enthusiastic they're big and extroverted a bit always a big performer I was never not putting on a show for my mum or dancing I've got a very good image of me in Barbie wellies completely naked with an umbrella <laughs> dancing like literally I was just one of those very happy-go-lucky loved life and just loved anything if music was on I was there I was dancing I was having a great time but I think um if my, if my childhood Megan could see where I am now, I think I would be absolutely blown away with where I've come to. Because I know I don't know, I always loved it, but I don't know if I ever as a child would have thought I would be here having performed in incredible shows in amazing places, travelled the world doing what I love. I think <laughs> I think she'd be like, yeah, girl, you did it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's always nice to know when your childhood persona is proud of the adult person that you've become. Like, yeah. you know, I, I always think back to that. And I think, you know, when I was when I was a little little girl. Wee little um, girl. Wee little girl. <laughs> I was always like, I'm gonna be on the stage. And I didn't know in what capacity I was gonna be on the stage, but I knew that I loved it. Yeah. And uh and I, I often when I pose this question to my guests, I often think to myself, would my child persona be happy with yeah she'd be down with it yeah. she'd love it definitely she'd so with it so I'm, I'm glad you've you've made like little girl Megan proud in your uh, in your life yeah. um can you remember your childhood room what were your favorite things in it oh my god I see I've had quite a few rooms because I we had a quite a big house and I went from having a room that then turned my dad for my birthday turned it into a dance studio which I was obsessed with with the bars and everything <laughs> wow. which was brilliant but um I had an amazing room that I I got to pick what I wanted myself and it was all this sort of baby blue colour and for some reason I think well I've always been obsessed with animals and the water and everything I wanted these silver like bubbles 
painted on the wall so my dad had to go around hand paint all of these like (laughs) silver bubbles in all different sizes and wanting them all different around the walls in like little clusters and sections I was very artistic apparently um (laughs) yeah so had that and I also had a really old rocking horse which we still have somewhere but a really old rocking horse and that used to be in my room which could kind of, I mean, kind of be kind of creepy if you think like, you know, horror <laughs> films. But it, I loved that rocking horse. And I can still sort of see that in my room. What a lovely, beautiful, creative household. And I've had the privilege of, of uh, seeing, you know, meeting your sister and, and meeting yeah. your mum. They're, they're amazing that. women. Amazing. They are absolutely fantastic. And all of you are so, so creative. So it doesn't surprise me that you had a wonderful childhood room full of creativity. What smell reminds you of home? Now it's the um it's the Lenore um fabric <laughs> softener and it's the one that's sort of like goldy on the outside because my mum uses it for our washing and whenever I smell it it just smells like home everything because it's what where all of our clothes are washed with that softener and I can smell it now always or coffee because my mum drinks a lot of coffee there's always like a <laughs> nice freshly made coffee somewhere. <laughs> So here you are in this beautiful room with wonderful, fresh smells of Lenore and coffee wafting through your house. When did you start dancing? Like, when did you turn around to mum and go, Mum, I'd like to be a dancer, please? <laughs> I basically never stopped moving as a child, very energetic. And I think it was a bit much for my wife. She was like, okay, this is really quite intense. She's <laughs> always like on the go. And actually, one of my very close friends, Holly, her mum worked with my mum at the time. and she just said to my mum oh well Holly goes to um, a dance school uh, run by this lady called Sharon Linden and she goes like every Friday and does some class and stuff maybe you should take Megan there so mum took me to uh, Sharon's school and literally the rest was history I went first of all to some baby ballet classes when I was about four or five wow started doing that then and then it just grew bigger and bigger I started going nearly every night after school it would literally be you get home do put your hair into your ballet bond get in the car go <laughs> do whatever and then um yeah then I started doing like sort of local dance festivals around the area where I was learning I mean I think something ridiculous I was at the age of like eight and I was doing like 30 dances like solos duets trios groups the lot I loved it so yeah and we just traveled around and we did that so I've been, I've literally been doing it since I was a baby, since I was little. Do you know what? That's so lovely to hear that this passion of yours has just grown and grown and grown and it wasn't sort of thrust upon you, that you found it yourself and you were driven from such a tender age just to pursue this dream. Tiny, tiny, tiny. I'd love to see tiny Megan dancing. That would have been so cute. You're going to have to send me (laughs) some photos. I think she was a little bit, I was a little bit too big for my boots. I'm not going to lie. I think I was a little bit cocky, actually. (laughs) I can imagine other people probably really didn't like me because I used to love being on stage and I would walk out there and like, start in my ballet position I bet people just think who is this child <laughs> but <laughs> I can totally I can relate imagine. I was a I was an attention seeking child I was one of those thespian children that yeah. was always putting on a play for my parents I have a feeling we actually used to make our mum pay for our play <laughs> we used to like take money for it at the door damn I missed a trick there oh my god! you really goodness. did <laughs> oh. so here you are a money grabbing child for <laughs> dance um cocky in her boots because she knew what she wanted and wanted (laughs) i'm I'm gonna say focused i think focused is a better word
word than than yeah, cocky. Yeah, focus. Focus on <laughs> on her ambition. Um, how did that carry on into your teenage years? Because obviously, when when a lot of uh, creative children get to their teenage years, they're either distracted by boyfriends or girlfriends or whatever, or different things going on in school. Mm. What were you like as a teenager, and were you still obsessed with dance through that period of time? So as a teenager, I so I was lucky enough at 11, I was accepted to the Royal Ballet School in London, which is a very prestigious ballet school and it's a boarding school. So you go away to London and I mean, you do four and a half hours of dancing every day on top of doing schoolwork at the same time. So it's a wow. pretty, you go, it's, it's a full on, you're thrown into a very professional environment where you're going because dancing is going to be what you're going to do. So it's kind of, I suppose, like if you played for Chelsea and you were in the under 18s Chelsea football team, or it's that kind of uh, the equivalent of that. So sort of went away and had gone, I think it's a, had gone from being sort of one of the best dancers in my area had been somebody that like, you know, I had won a lot at the festivals had done really well, really, you know, was sort of kind of like, wow, I've done, I've done great to suddenly going to a place where you're 12 of the best dancers in the world, girls wise being put in. I think that you're suddenly gone from being a big fish in a small pond to being a very small fish in a very big pond. You're sort of, I think, confidence definitely took a bit of a knock and suddenly you were put into an environment where people are telling you all the time that you're too tall or Mm. you're too fat or you're too this you're too that and it that sort of thing really does affect you I think as a teenager and it really did me I mean I was told all the time that you weren't going to make it as a valid answer because you're too tall or you're too fat or you're too this so I think that definitely I went into a bit kind of not into a shell I was still positive and I still had an amazing support system around me but I definitely wasn't that sort of happy-go-lucky child that I had been before. It's it's so interesting that you should say that because I have a friend and I won't name her because I know she had a real battle. Um, she was also accepted into ballet school um, because you have to keep your body in certain condition and all the rest of it. She did end up with an eating disorder and, and left the ballet yeah. school and it was her dream. But it's it's a tough environment, isn't it? And it crushed her. Um, yeah, you've I'm, got to have a very thick skin, very. How on earth... Did you did you get through it? What did you have to say to yourself to to keep yourself going? I think for me, I got to a point where at, at some stage I was very very tall, and I'm I'm quite a, I've, I'm a curvy person. I've I've got boobs. I've got a bum. I'm not <laughs> I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of that. But it got to a point where I thought, okay, maybe classical ballet isn't the one for me. I've I'm I don't really have the drive to not want to eat. I love food. I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna not do that. There are other avenues. I want to dance. There is going to be somebody out there that is going to look at me and go, do you know what? You are perfect and they want me. Just because they, just because I'm not right for the Royal Ballet School and just because I'm not right for classical ballet doesn't mean that I'm going to be wrong for everything. Mm. Sort of. I think I got to a point where I was like, no, no, no. I'm, I'm accepting that I'm brave enough and sort of screw you. If you don't believe in me, I believe in myself. And I was very lucky that I had the most incredible family who have honestly supported me mm. through everything. And they are, they are my rock. Like they have supported me through everything. And through 
all of that, they made sure that I enjoyed life. I was still a normal teenager. I still came home and did fun things. I went to house parties, you know, because they were like, this isn't everything. Mm. The school is not everything. So I think that's how I sort of got myself through it. It's, yeah, another another really, really important thing, isn't it? Because, again, when people go away to any particular independent school that teaches in one specific craft, it does become such a competitive, ambitious space, doesn't it? Because of those yeah. roles are so limited, because you do have to be the best of the best in the world to get those jobs. And I'm so, so pleased that you had that incredible support system and that you were able to just tell yourself, you know, what I'm not going to fit every mold and that's okay and thank god yeah. that you thought that way because we'll get on to later how you know how you've made a success of yourself and your body which is amazing <laughs> so when you first started out and you're in this space where you're being molded as a teenager and your hormones and your feelings are so amplified who inspired you at that point who who was the person that you looked up to in the ballet world in your personal life who are those people that really really inspired you to keep going with this ambition i think definitely um sharon linden who was my teacher in plymouth she was always my number one supporter. She made sure that I believed in myself. She gave me everything possible to go away with. And she's she's always been my biggest supporter up until now. But also definitely her daughter, Katrina, who I then, I have just done my first professional contract with, which was one of my wishes on my seventh birthday, actually, <laughs> in my little wish fairy that I done with Katrina. But um, she same as me went away to the Royal Ballet School sort of turned around and was like you know I don't know if I want to do this classical thing went on and she is a huge success herself now she always inspired me I looked up to her and thought you know I want to be like Katrina she was the most driven lovely charismatic enthusiastic person and Every time she walked into a studio, she just gave it 110%. It didn't matter what she was doing. She gave it everything. And I think she was a massive inspiration for me as a child, definitely. Oh, so lovely to hear because I think those teachers that come into your life that really shape who you are, they're just so important. And we do we remember them forever, don't we? Always. Yeah. So what was the first ballet that you saw that sort of inspired you and you thought, you know what, this is, this is it. This is what I want to do forever. I definitely, so I remember watching Birmingham Royal Ballet come down to Plymouth a lot. And I remember going to the Theatre Royal and it must have been either Nutcracker or Swan Lake that I watched in the Theatre Royal. <laughs> and I'd also seen a lot of the West End shows that had come down as well, mm. because I was very interested in doing, it wasn't just ballet for me always, I, and it still isn't now. If I was asked to do a West End show, I'd absolutely hands down do it. Like, it would be amazing. <laughs> But I remember just watching all of those and just thinking, these people get paid and get to do all this fun for a living. Like this, this is what I need to be doing. I just, I absolutely loved it. But I think the show that made me, but it wasn't really that long ago, to be honest. I always knew I wanted to dance, but the show that really lit a fire inside me, I went to see Matthew Bourne's Car Man at Sadler's Wells. It must have been in first or second year of Rombe University and I went to go see Carman and it was this sexy fiery <laughs> they proper danced they were into the ground it was just like they were acting everything about it I left and was like I need to watch that again and again and again and even just watching it 
I felt like I was a part of it. So I can't even imagine what it would have been like to be on stage. And that was something that I was like, okay, I'm going to work for Matthew Bond's New Adventures one day. And that was like the moment where I was like, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> I, I, and I'm so pleased to say, you know, fast forward in the interview a little bit, but I'm so pleased to say that that ambition came true. And we'll talk a little bit about that later yes. and how you literally manifested your dream, <laughs> which is amazing. Because you are, you are one of those sexy, fiery dancers just by nature and with that gorgeous body of yours as well. It just absolutely <laughs> lends itself to that kind of dance. I'm so excited to talk oh, about thank that. thank you. <laughs> So can you remember, like, so you've gone through um, the Royal Ballet School, you've joined Romba and and then what happens? Can you remember your sort of first professional audition, that space where someone went, right, I want you in, in the show and, you know, blah, blah, blah. How, how was that? What did you have to do and who was it for? So my first professional contract was actually with Thursford Christmas Spectacular, which is this, it's the biggest Christmas show in Europe, which wow. I'd actually never heard of beforehand, which is, sounds ridiculous. Cause now that I've been there, I'm like, how did I not know about this? But <laughs> went to the audition, it was like hundreds, it must've been about 600 girls auditioned for it. And I was like, okay, this must be a real big deal. <laughs> got, got to this tiny it's in norfolk it's like a tiny little village in norfolk and it is just the biggest christmas it's like somebody's thrown up christmas directions everywhere <laughs> decorate there are decorations there are baubles there are lights there are reindeers there's moving set like there's everything you could possibly want and that was my first professional show was in thirstford i was a sh i did a lot it was like showgirl ballet rock and roll um <laughs> irish i did it all but i performed there for three months over um october to christmas and that was a wonderful wonderful way to enter the professional world it really was the girl it was just this group of girls 22 of us all together and it was just magical. It it was it was a really wonderful, wonderful contract, and I hold that one very, very close to my heart. I really did love that contract. I, I mean, come on, you're literally stepping into Christmas for three months. That that's, oh, that's I know. so amazing. It must have been like working at Disney World for three months. I literally. can't even imagine. Can you remember the first time in that performance where you sort of like stepped out in front of the audience? How were you yeah. feeling and how did it feel when you came off the stage? Oh, I was so, I was actually really nervous because it wasn't, I don't know, it was, I felt a lot of responsibility on my on my hands obviously as it being my first job I really wanted to do well and I really wanted the choreographers and people there to be like we've made the right choice picking her and I remember we were in we were wearing a showgirl um we had a little a bra on these beautiful high-waisted pants fishnets big feathers I'm talking like a <laughs> feather tail big feather hat like proper Vegas showgirls wow. and we sort of walked on and we did these like really sexy walks on hip and I just felt like the dog's bollocks honestly <gasps> I got to the front and I was like bam and I looked to the front and I just thought you know what all those nerves it it just didn't matter I just suddenly became this like showgirl goddess <gasps> came off and it was just that rush of obviously you've got so many quick changes throughout it was just go 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 from there and I didn't breathe or have a moment until when the show stopped and we all got back to the dressing room and it was just these group of girls like squealing like ah, it was so much fun oh my 
<laughs> it was just ridiculous, but and it was lovely and I really yeah, it was great. Such good fun. You've just painted such a wonderful, wonderful picture and I, I could feel that exhilaration as you're talking about it. Ah, it's so, yeah. <laughs> so what does a day in a ballet dancer look like? Like how do you look after your body? What does it feel like when you wake up in the morning? What 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 does it look like? What does your day look like? Well, Let's. So when I was just the job that I've just done, performance-wise was off the scale. You were doing sort of eight shows a week. It was really quite intense. Getting up in the morning is near impossible. <laughs> it is honestly like every joint, bone, muscle. You're just like, oh my god! Like I, you're honestly getting to work is like I don't quite know if I'm going to be able to do today. You get, but normally, so if I'm performing in, in a show, you sort of, let's say it's a double show day, I'd get myself up early in the morning, try and have, try, this is try, and have a cold shower. Why? Because it, one, it wakes me up, and two, it's quite nice on your muscles. Sometimes right. the heat sometimes makes me feel a little bit lethargic. It, I think it's just me. But mm. some, a lot of, I do know lots of my other sort of friends do do that. But try and have a bit of a cold shower, wake yourself up, get yourself m- moving. Definitely get a coffee. I can't, I, I mean, <laughs> I physically can't walk into the building without a coffee. I'm literally drinking one um, right now, darling. <laughs> yes. Um, so get, get myself a coffee and then... It, every day you have to do an hour either ballet or contemporary class so you'd warm yourself up get your body moving get every little niggle joint anything that's feeling a little bit sore warm that up and through then we'd go through notes and rehearse anything that went wrong if you swap over partners you do a partner swap so you'd do it with your different partners work out grips and things mm. um Try, then eat food absolutely got to get some lunch in <laughs> and then it's just you I mean towards the end of the tour I definitely tried to push how long it would take me to do my makeup like when I first started I'd really it'd be like a work of art <laughs> then the lunch became a little bit more important towards the end so I was like how quick can I do my makeup in 15 minutes yes <laughs> it'd be like go so we'd do your makeup go get you put your hair into pink curls wigs on then get into your costume, prepare yourself for your show. And everybody's got their very different little ritual to, you know, get themselves ready to perform on stage. But I mean, at the moment, day in life of a dancer is trying to keep as fit as possible. Mm -hmm. I'm doing loads of workouts all like in the day, hit strength training. I'm very, very lucky. My lovely boyfriend is a personal trainer. So I'm having the best time. He is training me. (laughs) You know, I'm having the great, a great time, but trying to keep also, I think, flexibility that goes so quickly Mm. so trying to stretch trying to keep all of that and also try and do as many new adventures of doing ballet classes and contemporary classes on zoom so trying to do that about whacking a table uh sink you know trying to do that in a living room (laughs) so that's kind of been my life at the moment It's so nice, though, to hear that you're still motivated because a lot of creatives around me and myself included, uh, procrastination has been a massive thing through this lockdown because you don't have that set regiment. You don't have that discipline with someone saying, you know, this has to be done by this time or you need to be here at this time. So what, what what is motivating you to keep going through this time other than, you know, your Zoom classes? I mean, for me, I have to agree with you. It's been very up and down. Sometimes I, I mean, 
I very much have given up on the ballet classes. The last lockdown, I just didn't attend any. I was in a real sort of rut and I was like, what is the point in doing this? What, what are we achieving? What am I doing it for? It's, I sort of got to that point. But um, at the moment, I think because I'm trying to keep as positive as possible, there is going to be a light at the end of the tunnel at some point. At some point, we're, we will we will get back on stage, all of us, and I know we will. And instead of going, well, why am I doing this? I don't have a job, blah, blah, blah. I think for me, I know that whenever we can, auditions and jobs and things are going to blow up and there's going to be people wanting to do creative things everywhere. And I just want to be the most prepared I can be. So when I go out there, I can feel proud of whatever I'm putting out there. I mm. think that's for me. I'm just like, it's going to happen. Come on, you you can do it. And I am a real like creature of habit. I have to, I have to do a workout in the morning. If I don't do it in the morning, I won't do it at all. <laughs> so I like get everything done, make sure that that's okay. And then I still have agencies. They might send you through. You've got a self tape for this, this, that, the other. And you can sort of manage your life around the little things that come in. But I mm. think... It's going to happen. So we just need to be like, come on, let's do it. It's going to happen. <laughs> so whilst you're doing all of this sort of vigorous training and stuff, how do you protect yourself from, you know, really crucially hurting yourself? Or have you ever hurt yourself physically and mm. had to sort of rehabilitate yourself? What What's the, what happens there? So I, do you know what? Touch wood, I've been rather like, I've never had a major, major injury that has really, really set me back in anything that I've done. I do sort of pride myself in keeping, I do a lot of core stability, a lot of training in a way to manage the muscles and manage the slight injuries. I think for me, my back has always been, my lower back is the place. If I, if I'm tired and if I'm not looking after myself properly and sort of let not controlling my movement enough on stage I will always feel it in my lower back so that's always a place that I have to make sure I look after but we're very lucky when we're with the company we have physios that come on tour with us we have extra pilates classes core and strength and all of that so we are very very lucky but at the moment I think it's very much trying I think not trying but being okay with not doing the full mm. being okay with just moving your body keeping it active and you know pushing it slightly but being okay with you're not in a studio you've not got a sprung floor you're not training however many times a day mm. I think being okay with just sort of keeping yourself going and knowing that when you have that opportunity to get back in the studio then you can start to push yourself if you're trying to do too much on your concrete floor in your tiny flat I think that's when you know little injuries happen and you hurt your shins you hurt whatever so I think I've just been trying to maintain everything that I already have mm. not push myself too much and then when I get back to it I really will go for it <gasps> oh my goodness the life of a ballet dancer <laughs> so, so exciting I know it does it does sound like I'm just like listening to you going yeah I really should probably do more than just walk up and down my lane for my exercise you know I should actually I know, push just myself <laughs> I think I know. I mean, I think yesterday I had a look at my steps and I was like, "Oh my god, I've only done like a thousand steps." <laughs> Jesus! So I was like, "This is really bad." Well, it's good to know you oh, are well. human on some level, Megan Cameron. Yes, yes. <laughs> so I want to take you back into uh, 
uh, to performing now. So you've just come out of this amazing Christmas show. What happens next? Because you must have been on a massive high. I I mean, I definitely was. So finished that was amazing because before before that had happened, I'd had a year out where I hadn't had any jobs. So I just got this one and I was like, oh, amazing. Okay, I'm <laughs> on a roll. What happens now? I had previously the February before that Christmas I had auditioned for Matthew Bourne's Cinderella they were I think they were only looking for a boy though but they wanted to see a big variety of people and I did that and I got an email from him saying look we really liked you we can't have you for Cinderella we'd love you to come back and audition for Swan Lake we're going to be putting on this thing called Swan School and we want you to come to it it's like a week-long course we're doing sort of, you know, working people through different parts of the show, seeing what you're good for, all this, that, the other. So it's like amazing. So I literally finished the show. And then in the new year, of, in the beginning, I think it's the first week of January, I went to a swan school. Wow. <laughs> Did that. Was amazing. Left. And then I got invited. I didn't have to go to the prelim- preliminary, oh, couldn't speak then, <laughs> auditions, but I could come straight to the final. So I was like, okay, fine. Great. I'll come straight to the final. And we had, I remember it, it was at Erdang um, in Angel in London. And we, I had the morning slot. So we did a whole big, it must have been like three hours long. Wow. Um, class. We did two different reps. We learned two um, styles um, and parts from the show. And then literally that was it. They're like, thank Like Matt was there. Everybody was sat. And it was like, yeah, that was it. Fine. Yeah, you can go. And um, then on the 28th of February, I remember it, the day it had been snowing <laughs> and it was lots of snow outside. And I it got an email at something like four minutes past 11. This is how much I remember. <laughs> um, and it came through and I just looked and I just went into the other room and I was like, oh my God, I don't want to open it. I don't know what it says. And I just opened it and it said, um, we like, it was a personal message from Matt just saying, we'd like to have you on board for the Swan Lake tour, the UK and international <gasps> tour as the Hungarian princess. So I was like, <sighs> oh, and I was absolutely, and I just burst into tears. I was so happy. It was a really, <laughs> really amazing moment. I mean, that is literally every ballet dancer's dream, isn't it? To be part of Swan Lake in any capacity, anywhere in the world. And here you were with Matthew Bourne, one of the most prestigious people in the whole entire ballet community. I mean, my goodness, what what an opportunity. I can just imagine you now just like crying with joy and calling your mum. Oh, so happy. It must have been amazing. And I know that through that performance as well, you've also covered the Queen in that particular production as well yes you? oh my god I mean that I it was I did wasn't actually told by Matt he's he's very good at like m- missing out key things that you need to know <laughs> he told me I seen the Hungarian princess and then we went for a costume fitting and I was trying on this beautiful red ball gown which I know for a fact the Hungarian princess does not wear because I've watched mm-hmm. the show right <laughs> it was like I said to our um lovely wardrobe lady Deanne I said um I'm really why why have I got a red dress on she was like what do you mean why have I got a red dress on I was like well I, this, this is definitely not the Hungarian princess costume she was like no darling you'll cover you'll cover queen I was like what <laughs> she was like yeah you're the cover queen and I had a look and it was on paper then about two days later I got a message from Matt saying can you come in slightly earlier we were coming in sort of the end of August she was like can you come in sort of a week before because we're going to do stuff for the queen 
Um, and I came in and I learned the Queen Stranger duet, performed it for him. And he was like, yeah, you, you can keep the role. You can be the cover queen. And I was extremely lucky as a cover. You usually only perform sort of once or twice maximum. They sort of give you an opportunity to do it. I was very lucky. My first show was in Bristol. So my mum, my sister and my grandma could come and watch it because I was so close to Plymouth. Mm-hmm. And then, um, well, unfortunately, the Queen in Nicole Cabrera who's an amazing gorgeous dancer and actress she injured herself in a career and I then I got to perform I think I did like 10 or 11 queen shows and I did the end of China and Korea and it was just it was the moment that I was that I have made it and I was performing opposite Katrina Linden who obviously was my inspiration as a child. As the girlfriend, I was performing opposite her in principal roles. I thought, Jesus, like this is literally everything I had wished for as a child and I'm here now doing it. So yeah, that was a really, yeah, very lucky. I'm very, very grateful for for that opportunity. I mean, Swan Lake is the creme de la creme, isn't it? And you got to travel the world. Whereabouts did you manage to go? Like where, where did you perform? Oh my God, we were so lucky. And it literally just finished before everything COVID wise. (laughs) I literally, I finished my last performance and came, I was so lucky, but we, so we did the whole of the UK and traveled to beautiful, beautiful parts, you know, your Edinburgh's Dublin, all of those places. Then we were lucky enough. We did Japan for two weeks. Wow. We did six weeks in China doing various different places. We did three weeks in Korea, in South Korea. And then we did LA for six weeks over Christmas and New Year, which was like <laughs> rock star lifestyle living in like penthouse. Ridiculous. Wow. And then Washington for a week and New York for two. We finished, we, I made my New York debut and we finished in New York. So that was a really, you know, on Broadway, that was pretty special. <laughs> It's almost like you might as well just give up now because you've done everything. Yeah, that's I know. Wonderful. I said this to my mum. I'm like, I was like, I don't think anything's going to top it. I just need to like, I don't know, think of something else. Maybe I'll like go into pottery or something. Exciting, you know, I quite like pottery. Oh my goodness, hilarious! Yeah, please don't do that yet. Um, <laughs> what was your? What has been your sort of biggest challenge through that performance? Then, what? What was the thing that sort of like faced you every day that you thought, "Oh my goodness, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to overcome this in order to give my best performance." I think for me, as Swan Lake wise, I because because I was doing a principal covering a principal role I was only given one role of my own because as a new person to the company they don't like to bombard you with too much so I had the Hungarian princess and then I covered the queen but obviously I never I rarely did the queen so I was doing the same role I did like 283 shows of the Hungarian princess and So I think the challenge for me was going out there every day and finding something new and exciting in it. Because Mm. once you've, I found, you know, within a couple months, I found my character. I knew who she was. I knew who she was, what she was about, who she wanted to talk to, you know, what she disliked, what she didn't. All of all that sort of thing I had. So I think it was just trying to find new little things and make it exciting and challenge myself acting wise or maybe change up how I wanted to portray her on stage or how I reacted to a partner. I very much had to find lots of new things. I think that was my biggest 
challenge every now and again. I was pretty good, but every now and again I get to a show and I'd be like, do you know what? There is nothing new. that makes me want to do this. Yeah, yeah there's yeah. nothing new. I've seen all these people, I've done this, but the music starts, you get out on stage. It doesn't matter if your body hurts, it doesn't matter if you're exhausted, it doesn't matter if you're hungover from the night before. Like <laughs> you get out there and you do it and suddenly you're in this world and it is amazing. But think that was a challenge for me mm, mm. Oh, I'm glad you uh, glad you managed to keep going through that time as well and was <laughs> there ever a point where you ever thought about quitting do you know what yes there was I just finished Romba I graduated with I, I had the possibility of having a job um and then it had been taken away from me and they didn't want me anymore and I came away and I had sort of a year out before I auditioned for Thursford in the May where I had nothing I was like slaving away I was going to audition after audition being told you're too tall or oh we're not you're not quite right for our show oh we actually wanted a blonde pert girl not brunette like literally ridiculous things and um I remember it I was at home and I came storming downstairs to my mum and I was like I just wanted to um announce to everybody that I'm actually going to give up dancing my mum was like oh okay yeah fine what are you gonna do I was like I'm gonna join the police force she was like yeah okay that's fine (laughs) Went back upstairs and I think mum said I was up there for about two hours or so. And then I came back downstairs and I was like, um, I'm just going to just went to let everybody know I'm actually going to continue dancing. And my mum was like, OK, cool. We thought that was going to happen. So that was that was one moment. But I did. I was really like I had this a surge of energy and I was like, that's it. I'm not doing it anymore. Came down. But anyway, I changed my mind pretty quickly. I was like, mm, actually, I don't really want to be in the police force. So... <laughs> so for other people that have maybe just come out of ballet school and they're faced with that time before they get that job what advice would you give them just to keep going and pursuing their dream there's a handful of people in this world that are going to be handed everything to them and everything's going to run so smoothly they're going to come out of school they're going to get a job they're then going to move up in the company like there are a handful of people that happen to and I am very very happy for those people but for me I like that fight I like having my fire within me being ignited every now and again and I won't let anybody blow out my candle my my dance candle was there and I'm not gonna let anybody blow that out it doesn't matter what you do and also not to be upset if you have to have what I call a normal people job a muggle job (laughs) if you need if, if you need to go and you know, work in a cafe to get some money so you can go out to London and do your auditions. You do that. At the moment, since we've not been, I've been working in a restaurant, it's okay to sometimes go in a different direction and then come back in. But just keep yourself going because there's going to be somebody that sits behind that desk and is going to go, you are perfect for what I, for, for the job that we're doing, for what I want. That's not going to happen all the time, but it will happen. Mm. If you like sort of manifest your dreams and go for it, I re- I really do believe one door closes, another one opens. It will happen. Oh, give it time. I feel all pepped up now. I'm like, yes, yes, I'm going <laughs> to keep it going. <laughs> <laughs> and you're absolutely. You can do it. I can do it. I can just keep swimming like Dory. Um, yeah. Just keep swimming. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking as you were saying that, you know, taking on those those muggle jobs. I love that phrase. I, I think that's fantastic. It's um 
it is some it's part and parcel isn't it of that creative lifestyle if you want this life which is temperamental which is up and down you don't know where your mm-hmm. next job is coming from those jobs are crucial and also you can use them as sort of a learning ground can't you because like re- working in oh, restaurants and so stuff much. you're interacting with other people you're still having to put on a show of of something um absolutely and you're having to keep yourself in a different persona to to your natural persona all the time and you can absolutely use those jobs as learning opportunities for your craft can't you definitely i i've learned i've learned valuable lessons from working in pubs and restaurants and sort of communicating with people and you know i yeah like you said you're not financially stable as a self-employed performer you're not so those little jobs are you know they're perfect just to give you that extra wiggle room that extra bit of cash if you need it here and there like they really are you shouldn't be afraid to be having loads of different jobs on the go it's fine and it doesn't mean that you failed because I know that a lot of people that are in the creative arts they feel that somehow they failed because they're having to take these opportunities yeah Um, definitely and and it's so sad because it doesn't mean that it just means that you are keeping going that you are still fighting for your dream just as you say which is yeah everybody's been there we've all been there you're never ever alone if you think you're embarrassed to tell somebody that you're now working part part-time at a cafe that we've all been there we've everybody's done it you're not you're not alone you're not alone (laughs) we're crying um okay so this brings me on to personal life because I know as as a creative sometimes it's tough on our relationships and I know that you're very lucky that you have a supportive boyfriend and you know I'm I'm in the same position I'm lucky enough to have another creative as my husband um but what are your sort of like little tips for keeping your relationship strong especially when you're going on tour especially when you know the other person may feel insecure about your job Mm. so I before I've only recently just met my partner Harry and he is an absolute diamond he supports me through everything if I need a self-tape he gets that ring light out if I need (laughs) a dance video he'll stand in the freezing cold and film it like he is just next to none he's fantastic before when I was on Swan Lake I was with a different uh, boyfriend at the time and he wasn't very supportive of me not in not in a way that was he wasn't mean or nasty or anything he just really wasn't very interested Mm. he didn't really care for what I did and I understand dancing and what I do is not everybody's cup of tea but you know I did an 18 month tour and I think he watched it once Mm. and as like a as a as a performer you want somebody who's going to be there really supporting you it's hard enough as it is Mm. getting up every day and going up there and pushing yourself and you know fighting for what you want you really want somebody who when you are feeling down or you're aching or you're hurting is going to go you know do you need a bath do you want me to drive you need a cheerleader yeah you need you need those little things and I think personal life wise for me I and I've said this to any partner that I've ever had my career will become first always. Mm. I've put too much time, effort, tears, blood, everything into this this world that I've created for myself. And nobody's going to stop me from doing that. So you're either on board with it or you're not. It's, <laughs> it's one, you either get in the boat and you join me or you're not. And, you know, I travel the world and do amazing things. I know that Harry said to me, he's so excited to do that with me, to come Mm. and visit me in these amazing places and watch me perform my craft and things. But 
I mean, personal life wise, I my sort of top tips and things are make sure that whatever you're doing, whether it's your art or whether it's your personal life, one isn't becoming greater than the other Mm. you still need to enjoy yourself go to the pub drink with your friends have a lovely time go for a nice meal go to the theater whatever you whatever you need to do you need to have your down days and you need to be normal you need to be a normal person but if that if you're like partying too much and that's creeping into you not training enough or not looking after yourself or vice versa if you're in the studio working yourself to the bone all the time and you're not interacting with other people you're not having a life and making memories then that's when you've got an issue you need to really make sure that you balance that out correctly and sometimes one will become more than the other and that's not a bad thing Mm. but if you're really striving for a goal you need to make sure you know I sort of try and keep my week as working out training hard looking after myself eating well you know that sort of thing And then the weekend, I can afford to relax a little bit more, watch some more Netflix series, you know, have a drink with my boyfriend, do that sort of thing. I think you need a nice little routine. Mm -hmm. I think that's really, really important. And just to remind your partner that they are, you know, they are part of your life and they are equal to you and they and their dreams are just as important as your own. Absolutely. You both you need to support each other in everything. Mm. You just need to be there. It doesn't matter what they want to do. You just need to support them. How do you support each other? with sort of mental health stuff so I know that things like stress and anxiety and Mm. you know all of those things that creep into a very very tough creative regime what do you do to keep on top of your mental health and to look after each other's for for me for me and Harry we are big on talking and communication I think it's so important and I think especially men don't talk about their emotions enough they don't there's a very big stigma around it and I think it is it definitely is getting better I think there's definitely more light being put onto it and I think it is getting better but we communicate a lot we talk to each other when I I get quite anxious quite a lot and stressed out about money and about not having enough money that's something that really stresses me out Mm. and um we just work through things together. We put it out and we're like, we've got each other. We mm. bounce off each other. We work with each other. And um, I think he's been massive in my mental health. So, I mean, and it's exactly the same. My mum and sister are always there for me to talk through that stuff. And sometimes, you know, I get really ahead of myself and I make loads of nonsense off my head. My mum's like, it's not even happened yet. Don't stress about things that haven't <laughs> happened. Like, I, I just honestly... And um, I think we do mindfulness as well. Mm. We listen, do headspace and mindfulness, which is really helpful. And also taking time away from my phone. Yes. Now, oh my God. I have Get, a, It needs to. <laughs> yeah. I, do you know what's so funny? You should say that. So I said this in my last interview, actually, with uh, a lovely guy called Richard Simmons. Go back and listen to that, listeners, if you haven't already. Um, I actually gave up my phone on the 1st of February this year for that exact reason, because mental yeah. health wise, it just wasn't doing me any good. And I've literally, I don't no. have it anymore. I just have, you know, access on the mainframe. I've got an iPad. If I want to check in with people on Instagram, etc. But yeah. moving away from my phone has been the best mental health decision I've ever made. How how do you control that? Because it's so addictive, isn't it? And especially if you're waiting for those calls oh, for work so to come in. Like, like, what do you do? Oh. Do you lock it in the freezer for you know two days? <laughs> well, no, I what should. Do you do? <laughs> 
Um, I actually back along my phone broke, so I actually was not. It was it wasn't a choice that I picked, but I'm glad it happened. My phone broke, and it was out for a while because the guy at the phone sh- phone shop was taking ages on it, and that was that's a completely another story. I was not happy about it but anyway. <laughs> but it meant that I actually I just did I didn't have a phone. I had my laptop if I had emails and things, but I didn't have my phone, and I found that I was doing things like reading more. I was expanding my knowledge in different ways, going out, actually concentrating on TV shows instead of sort of half and half. And so I think Instagram is such a wonderful place for meeting other creatives and sharing your work and a lovely, positive place. But it's also, you know, the hundreds of amazing comments you get, that one negative one will stick with you. And I think it really, it's so, especially I I feel very sorry for young people now that, you know, I didn't grow up at school with Instagram. I think I got it in year 11 when I was just leaving. I feel sorry for the children that have it the whole way through because, because as a teenager, you're vulnerable, you're naive, you're scared, you're afraid, you're just trying to find yourself. You don't really know. You're growing into this weird person. Suddenly you've got <laughs> boobs and you're like, I don't know what's going on. Like, I couldn't imagine then scrolling through and seeing all these um, women with stick thin bodies or somebody on this amazing holiday or somebody with this filter. Or, I don't know. <laughs> For me, I think taking time away from my phone has really helped my mental health this time around. Oh, it's so, sure. it's so good to hear that. And, uh, and again, it's something that I refer to a lot is that compare and despair thing. It's, it's just a platform yeah. really where you do end up feeling crushed inside that you're either not doing enough or you're not yeah. you know putting yourself out there in the right way. And you're Definitely. Aesthetics on Instagram have to be a certain way. It is a bit of a nightmare sometimes. But like, you know, like you rightly said, thank God that creators in in particular have a platform where they can come together and and they can share and boost each other up as well. So, you know, it's so important, isn't it, to look after that sector of your life. So obviously it's called the Brave Moment Podcast. So I want to talk to you just a little bit about those moments where you've considered them to be your bravest. And that can be literally a, a physical moment, a spiritual moment, an emotional moment. What do you consider to be your bravest moments? I think for me, my bravest moments in dance are definitely, I've already touched on it slightly, but the deciding I wasn't going to be a classical ballet dancer was one of my bravest moments, you know, accepting that I didn't have the body, I was too tall, like just sitting down and going, do you know what, I'm not going to be that. And I know I've gone to the Royal Ballet School, but it doesn't matter. Mm. I am just a dancer. That is what I do. I can do whatever I want to do it may it may not be what they want me to do but I I'm I'm gonna do it and I think for me that was a really really tough decision because I really thought I was going to do classical ballet mm. and then I became a woman and I grew into a different way and it was actually no do you know what that's that is not right for me if and if I do that I'm going to be the tall dancer that stands at the back of the corner ballet that nobody sees. I'm better than that. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to actually expand my horizons and go elsewhere. I think that's probably one of my bravest moments. Mm. 
that's and and such a crucial one and and just sort of I, I'm trying to put myself in into a dancer's shoes for a minute and thinking okay if I was a young dancer and I had my heart set on this classical ballet and I didn't know what other things I could do with my dance can you give us some examples of other areas that dancers with a different body type can jump into other than you know Matthew Bourne dance company or whatever what other what other things can they do like where could they focus their attentions there are there are your options are endless and when you're in a place like the Royal Ballet School they pigeonhole you to believe that that's the only place you need to be you need to go to the upper school you need to go to the company there is so much more you've got the West End if you're musical if you've got a banging voice on you get yourself into West End musicals there's plays if you've got if you're good at acting and you want to explore that you can go into doing plays they even have physical theatre as part of them cruise ships now Cruise ships have such a bad name for themselves. And I do not know why people are like, oh, you do a cruise ship. You travel the world. You pay no taxes on anything. You literally <laughs> go to the most amazing places. Like my friends are spending Christmas Day in like the Caribbean or the Bahamas. Like <laughs> you cruise ships, amazing. And they want all shapes and sizes. You know, they need aerial people. They need people for the musicals. They need people showgirl wise. You can go to Paris and become an amazing showgirl. If you're tall, get yourself to Crazy Horse, get yourself to Le Lido, to Paris. Like the options are endless. You can go into contemporary, you can do modern, you can do lyrical. Tap, if you want to do tap, I'm terrible at tap, but if you want to do tap, do tap. Like <laughs> there are so many. You've got you've got all of the options in the world. I absolutely agree. And, and as you were talking to uh, just right there, I was thinking about some of my friends that do have one of the beautiful, more curvaceous bodies, et cetera, et cetera. One of them is now a massive influencer online. Uh, she's coming on the show later, so I won't spoil her <laughs> for you. But um, I've also got friends who are like dancers in music videos yes, and stuff. Yes, commercial and, and dancers. Even like Amazing. Commercial dancers and, and fitness videos. Like I, I love, um, there's a guy called The Fitness Marshal. Go check him out. He's amazing. He's always really conscious about featuring people that don't have a classical body type for dance, um, that are tall, that are a little bit more curvaceous, that are just have that, you know, all the curves in all the right Love places. And, and he's got millions and millions of people on board with him. So, yep. yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Like in today's society, I think that the dance world is definitely a little bit more generous with, with their sort of classical image Um which is fantastic to see. And I'm so glad that you're at the beginning, you're at that precipice of of those changes within dance as well. And one of the pioneers for it as well. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's brilliant to, to watch. What do you what do you imagine you're going to do next? Have you got any sort of next ambition that you might manifest on the show right now? <laughs> oh, well, hopefully, fingers crossed there. Um, I mean, I'm hoping... I'm really manifesting. I really want to do a musical <gasps> next, actually. I'm really wanting to go down the West End route. I know that Moulin Rouge, the musical, is coming to London. It was supposed to be this year. I don't know if it will, but I am manifesting big time. I'd love to do that. I think that would be awesome. Um, <laughs> and any any more new adventure shows, I mean, I absolutely love my new adventures family. I would m love to do that. And... Um, I think I'm also manifesting, hopefully, at some point, wanting to get more into the music video sort of commercial world as well. Just Brilliant. try it. Give it a go. 
And you're also incredibly good looking. I know I've seen some of your modeling <laughs> shoots. And seriously, just go and check out Megan Cameron on Instagram. You will oh, not be sorry, my it's friends. It's a nice bit of makeup and lighting, I tell you that. I don't look like that right now, my dressing gown. <laughs> I'm the same. I've got my hair scraped up, no makeup on, yep. in my leopard print leggings, loving yes, life. Yes, leopard print. So <laughs> before, before we go into some sort of crazy random questions to finish off the show, what further advice can you give to those that are just starting out that haven't been sort of impressioned with, with anything or whatever just yet? Like, what do you wish you'd known when you first started? I think like my mum always used to say you've got two shoes you've got two feet you can steer yourself in any direction and I think that for me remembering that and going do you know what actually I can I am capable of doing anything I want I'm in my prime Mm -hmm. I'm I'm like I am here live for the moment you live in the now don't worry too much about you know it's good to think about your future but live for right now what you're doing because you'll never get that back again so I think that's Mm. what for anybody just starting out you can steer yourself any direction you want to just if you believe in yourself other people will believe in you yes that's the best advice ever (laughs) (laughs) okay Megan Cameron are you ready for your quick fire question round yes I am amazing okay so you have to just answer these questions off the top of your head no thinking required Uh, okay are you ready right take a deep breath (sighs) who is your musical hero queen ballet hero Marinella Nunez can you say that again? <laughs> Marianela Nunez. She's a um, she's a Spanish dancer. She's a principal at the Royal Ballet, and she's just absolutely perfect. She's perfection. Everything. Best <laughs> friend at school. Uh, Remy. Favorite motivational song. Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Epic fail. Oh, I lost a shoe during my Queen duet duet in <gasps> Korea. It came flying off, and I had to do the rest oh of it with one shoe on. Oh my goodness! <laughs> How did you carry on? How did you not just lose your nerve? I literally, I literally just, and then I turned to my partner Max, and I was like, "Max, I've lost a shoe." He was like, "Where is it?" I was like, "I don't know." And like, I was just on stage doing, and where I had tights on, you could hear it squeaking along the lino on the floor. It's like, <laughs> like as I was doing things, it was really, it was, it was, that was a fail. That was a big fail. Last time that you were dancing mm. in a theatre, and what theatre was it? Um, I was. It was February, and it was the New York City Center. Oh, that's just a massive mm. mic drop right there. <laughs> <laughs> Last thing you watched in the theatre? Probably my own show, Swan Lake. Oh, nice! Mm. Keeping the respect and realness. I love it. <laughs> Favorite item of clothing? Oh, I've got a camel coat that I'm in love with. Oh, love mm. it! Last text you received? Uh, my mum. No, what it's my mum. She said, uh, she said, enjoy your podcast. Love you lots. Oh, shout out, Rachel Cameron. You late. Yeah, big up. <laughs> if you could have any other talent, what would it be other than pottery? Um, oh, yeah. Uh, I Speaking different languages, I'd love to be able to speak some different languages. I think that's such mm. a, that is such a talent to have. Favourite book? Um, Small Great Things by Jodie... Um, Picolt, I think. Yeah, it's a really, really good book. Favourite film? Oh, Harry Potter, any of them. <laughs> yes! Any <Yeah>. of them. <laughs> Favourite trait in human beings? Kindness. Worst trait in human beings? 
rudeness. I hate rude people. Oh, just say same. thank you or just say excuse me. Like it really doesn't take much. Uh, do you know what my pet peeve is when I'm driving and you let someone go like through and oh. they don't say thank you? That, that's a massive pet peeve for me. <laughs> yeah, I, that really grates on me. Don't like that. And indicating people that don't indicate on a yeah, roundabout. Just tell oh. me where you're going. I, don't, I just need to know. <laughs> Favorite self attribute? Oh, probably my positivity. Worst self attribute? Uh, I get so grumpy when I'm hungry. <laughs> so hungry. I get so hangry. Oh my god. What's your what's your go-to food when you're in that moment? Oh, crisps. Anything crisp related. I love crisps. <laughs> oh my god. Right, I think I know the answer to this question, but tea or coffee? Oh my god, this is such a difficult one, but I'm actually a teapot. I love tea. I Shut drink the front it. Door. I, I thought drink you were a coffee it. girl. <laughs> no, I love coffee, but I do limit myself to like one a day, whereas tea I have in like prime days of tea drinking, I have limited myself now. I could have like 12 a day. <laughs> love it, it was yeah. I was on the toilet a lot going for a week. <laughs> Thanks for sharing, love. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> Favourite country so far? Uh, Japan. Why? Oh, my God. I love it. They're so... Everything is so cute. They call it kawaii. Um, it's so... Like, everything's cute. And they're so far ahead of us. Like, I got served sushi by a robot, you know, and you're like, I just don't know where I am right now, but everything is just <laughs> so futuristic. And you can do, go on um, little Mario Karts and you can go around the whole of um, Shibuya on a Mario Kart. And it was just like, this is, it's so futuristic and very, very safe. I've never felt so safe somewhere. Oh, very safe. I so want to go. As soon as I can travel again, Japan oh my God, is Kat, on my bucket list. It was absolutely your place. They'd oh. love you. Oh. They really oh. would. I'm feeling like my heart pounding for Asia in general. <laughs> the, in fact, the last place I went before lockdown was Vietnam, and I'm just oh. cra- I'm just craving. I'm craving. Oh, my we goodness. need to travel. <laughs> we need to travel so much. Um, what series are you currently watching on Netflix? Oh, um, American Horror Story Hotel. Oh, nice. Mm. Oh my goodness, such a such a good series. Yeah, no, I've not watched this one, so I'm loving it. <laughs> mm. What makes you laugh? Um, my sister and Harry, actually, my boyfriend, they both make me laugh so much. They're just, they're so strange, but they really make me laugh. I just love them. What's your annoying habit? Oh, I do bite my nails when I'm nervous. (gasps) And I haven't, I know I haven't got rid of it. And I I, I find myself, I don't realise I'm doing it. And then I'm like, oh, it's very annoying. I hate it. (laughs) Favourite animal? Alpacas. Alpacas. I Why? love alpacas. <laughs> I love that they them? have like little fluffy knees and like a little fluffy fro <laughs> on top. I love that they make strange faces and they kind of they spit on people they don't like and I kind of respect that. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Favorite food other than crisps? <laughs> oh my god, like everything. I would probably say favorite food is more it's a roast dinner. Best advice you've ever received? Um, oh, probably learn from your mistakes and never stop like growing Ooh, good mistakes one. are really important yeah i like that um a weird thing you do oh i actually i mean a lot of the weird things that i do are just like all the time but i make this weird little like chipmunk face and i do it to my mum and sister and it's a way of us communicating that we love each other <laughs> And we like pull our pull our teeth up like over so you can see like your gum and your teeth. 
<laughs> and we call it chipmunk and we look at each other and it's like a way of it's really strange we sometimes sit on the sofa and do it to each other <laughs> I'm just imagining that right now because your face is gorgeous. Like I just can't imagine it. But you'll have to you'll have to secretly PM me that picture. So I yeah, can see I what will. <laughs> What's the closest thing to magic in real life? Do you know what I think? Well, personally, being on stage, there's no, there's nothing else like it. But I think in general, in the world, sort of nature, the ocean the stars the sky that's that's magic to me sometimes when you see a sunset and it's just absolutely spectacular over the ocean you think jesus you can't get better than that (gasps) oh do you know what that's been a a sort of solid favorite answer on this show i think it's definitely a creative thing because we're we're used to observing it so much as well sort of wanting to get out in it the beauty of it the beauty indeed okay if you uh what's what's the song that you must sing along to when you're in the car Oh, it's got to be Lionel Richie. Oh, night long. Oh, night. Oh, that I can't help. As soon as I hear that beginning bit and I'm like, oh, it's a jungle beat. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Final question of the quit for a round. If there was a zombie apocalypse, what would you use as a weapon and where would you hide? Okay. I would hide in Costco. They've got loads of food there and it's huge. I feel like you could easily sort of get lost in there. So much food. You'd you'd be sorted. (laughs) See, I obviously go back to food. Um, Weapon of choice. If I could get my hand on something like a machine gun, I'd probably use it. But if I couldn't, maybe like a baseball bat with some barbed wire around it or something, like real Walking Dead style. Oh, and you'd be able to do your makeup in 15 minutes, so you'd look hot doing it as well. Which <laughs> yeah, <would be> amazing. <laughs> you know, my hair might not be great, but my makeup will be better. I'll have a winged eyeliner of a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Well, Mike and Cameron, you have survived your quick fire round. Well done. You get the solitary clap of joy. <laughs> thank you so, thank you you are so welcome so before we leave this interview what advice would you like to give to the world right now in the middle of this crazy time i would my advice would be be patient mm. and be patient and enjoy having this time because there will never ever be a time again where you will have this much space to explore other things. You know, people are doing all sorts of like up, re-upholstering things, spending time with loved ones, actually watching TV shows that they've never been able to get around to seeing. Like, we'll never have this time again, so just be patient. Very, very solid advice, Megan Cameron. Oh my goodness, you've been such a joy to be oh, on the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This has, been, this has proper brightened up my week. This has Good. been great. It's brightened up mine too. It's set the precedent for the whole entire week. So yeah, thank you so, so much. If people are interested, just in you in general, uh, in Matthew Bourne uh, and and following you, what are your social handles and where can they find you? So on Instagram, I am Meggie May Cameron, which is usually, that's sort of my main account. And on there, you can go to my website, which is MeganMayCameron.com. And you can just look at loads of videos and pictures. It's not that exciting, but you can go and have a little look if you want to. And that's sort of my main ones. I don't really use anything else, to be honest. But yeah, Meggie May Cameron, if you want to find me on Instagram. Fantastic. Thank you so, so much. Oh, thank you. Honestly, Kat, this has been a dream. Thank you. (laughs) 
Megan has a wonderfully strong sense of self. I mean, anyone that can navigate their way through one of the toughest and most demanding performing arts in the world can only survive with a strong and centred compass at their core. That and the loving words of those that care about them to keep their path clean of doubt. Megan is lucky to have such people to remind her of just how amazing she is. And she is amazing. Megan has categorically said from the beginning that her craft will always come first in her life. She knows exactly what she wants and how to achieve it and just how much effort it takes. And in that, she has no room for doubt. Her clarity and drive allows her to balance everything else she needs on the scales of her dream. And if things or people in her life don't measure up, then they are lovingly let go of in favour of those that do. Dance comes with a lot more self-doubt than some other art forms. Because it is physical and relies on a strong body, not knowing what that looks like can get you into a lot of trouble. So many dancers in every gender identification are partial to eating disorders and injury because of what mentors or others in the trade deem to be the perfect body type for a dancer. But as Megan says... There is a part for everyone, and no matter what you look like, dance is dance. As long as you have strength and a ton of endurance, you'll find your way. Just as your body doesn't determine your future in any other creative art, don't be afraid to stand out and stand strong in your skill and capabilities. If you want to dance, if that's your purpose, you were made to dance. Full stop. That goes for anything out there. Sometimes the bravest thing a person can do is love themselves. We only get one vessel in life. Let's not waste our precious time on this earth judging the flesh and bone we've been lucky enough to be given. That's too old a story for the 21st century. Instead, Let's improve our minds, attitudes, language and contribution to the diverse and colourful space we spend our time in. As Megan's mum Rachel says, if you have a pair of feet and a pair of shoes, you can go anywhere and do anything. And she is absolutely right. There is a meme that I particularly like of a horse whose bridle has been tied to a light plastic chair. And it simply reads, sometimes the thing holding you back is all in your mind. I love it because here you have this powerful animal completely unaware that if it decided to, it could quite easily crush that little plastic chair and gallop away. But because it has been trained to see the world in a certain way and probably gets punished for thinking otherwise, it has forgotten just how limitless it truly is. Just because someone somewhere may have told you that you need to be or behave in a certain way to get through life on their terms doesn't mean that you have lost your strength or limitless power to change how you see the situation. It's time to love that body of yours and time to check in with that inner compass and make sure you're still headed towards that dream. Creativity in all its forms comes with challenge. When you're birthing something new into the world, there is going to be a substantial amount of pain, physical and mental, but equally so much delight and wonder. Everything starts with a big bang and explosion into space and your ideas are no exception. So make sure you are prepared emotionally for that. Reflect, 
breathe, take time out if you need, refocus, revise, envision, complete and release. It all takes emotional strength. And if that means taking the short-term job, the thing that buys you time, experience or keeps a roof over your head whilst you strive for better things, then do it with pride. Keep your eyes on that prize. Keep moving forward and keep checking in with that compass to make sure that what you're doing is leading you firmly along your path. Philip Pullman, the author of the Golden Compass Trilogy, says in his book Demon Voices that a good story will lead you into the woods, but always back to the path. The woods are a metaphorical place of invention, creation, epiphany, magic, enchantment, reflection, and with good characters, sometimes enticing. But he reminds us that you have to remember to leave the woods and return to the path so that you can continue your story with all you have learned in that space and apply your newfound skills to what lies before you. The aim is to keep the story moving. We all have to spend time in those metaphorical woods and it's so easy to get lost and swept up in them. So whether your woods are a dream, a lover or a muggle job as Megan puts it, make sure you don't lose sight of the path and get those two wonderful feet in those trusty shoes as soon as you can and continue on your true journey, no matter how hard it may be, no matter how comfortable and safe those woods are. Try this exercise. Get a piece of card, some glue or tape and a bunch of magazines, books, flyers, newspapers and find images or words and sentences that inspire you within them. Cut them out and stick them on your cardboard. Hold in your mind what it is you want to feel about your journey. Do you want to feel safe and secure? Do you want to feel alive, challenged, focused, loved, sexy, empowered, creative? Sometimes the reason we get lost in the woods is because we believe that our dream is going to be too hard or tough or challenging or financially unviable. So in fear, we stay where it's safe or where we feel like we are learning something. So that validates why we are not achieving the big dream instead. So by adding to your mood board exactly what you want to feel, it shows you the path in greater detail. Does staying in the woods make you feel empowered? No? Well, take another look at the path, aka the mood board, and find what does. Our dreams are rarely about the outcome. They are about feeling a certain way about our lives. They are about the becoming the fulfilling, the emotional and spiritual purpose of being. So follow in Megan's footsteps, close your eyes and look at that compass of yours and ask yourself with brutal honesty, what is really stopping you from achieving your life's purpose? Is it other people's perceptions of what your reality, your dream should look like? Is it lack of self-belief that you're scared of the challenge does it look too hard to you? Is it a personal job you may have stayed with just a little too long? Is it the fear of losing something that if you really looked at it could as easily be taken from you at any time? Is it time itself? These things are our little light plastic chairs that seem in charge of our actions. But you and how you deserve to feel live and be are as powerful and limitless as that horse 
And as soon as you recognize that is who you really are, the sooner you'll be able to exercise your true capabilities. Find the compass, read it, find the path. As Ralph Waldo Emerson once said, to be yourself in a world that is constantly trying to make you something else is the greatest accomplishment. And I know that all of us, myself included, are capable of such greatness. You only have to look into your own eyes to see it shining underneath. Next week on the show, we speak to creative artist Adam Moran. With many strings to his bow, Adam tells us with great humour and delight just what it takes to be an all-round performer in the 21st century. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the show. If you have a spare moment now, please like, subscribe and tell me your thoughts in a review on Apple Podcasts, which will really help other people like yourself to find the show. Of course, you can also share the show with your friends by following us at The Brave Moment Podcast on Facebook, Instagram and YouTube or on Twitter at Moment Brave or just follow the link tree on all of our social media platforms. It's been so wonderful to have you all here with me again. Please get in touch with your own stories and remember, your brave moment starts now.